Do you want to talk about books? Yeah. Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up a well-read life. In my early 20s, I studied abroad for a short period of time in Switzerland at a place called Brie Fellowships. It was here that I first heard of Dorothy Sayers. I was tucked away in the library one summer morning, the Swiss Alps towering in the background, listening to a lecture on an ancient tape recorder. I've all but forgotten what the lecture was about, but I haven't forgotten how highly the lecturer spoke of Dorothy Sayers, or the moment I wrote the great writer's name in my notebook to remember when I got back to the States. But it wasn't until I was home again that I finally read the marvelous detective series by Dorothy Sayers. It was an essay in C.S. Lewis's collection on stories, really, that was the catalyst that began my foray into the world of Lord Peter Whimsey. I have been in love with him ever since. I started with the first book, Whose Body, reading in a gallop over the next several months each book in the series. My affection switched from character to character as I read. In the first books, I was taken with the hard-working and steady Charles Parker, a detective at Scotland Yard and a great friend of Lord Peter's, and was only slightly amused by Sayer's flippant aristocrat. But as the series progressed, Lord Peter grew on me. But then came Harriet Vane in the fifth book, Strong Poison, a detective writer and murder suspect and Lord Peter's great love interest. Here I encountered a hiccup in my enjoyment of the series, wondering why Sayers felt the need to introduce this interloper into what so far had been marvelous reading. Harriet's soul and nature was off-putting. I failed to take into account her situation, and I suffered through the next book featuring her, Have His Carcass, begrudgingly. It wasn't until Gaudy Night that Harriet Vane won me over, too. And through the rest of the series, these two became the epitome of the perfect literary couple for me. I placed them with greats such as Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy. After all, what could be more exciting than solving crimes throughout the English countryside with your spouse by your side? Dorothy Sayers' own life is fascinating. She studied at Oxford before women received degrees worked in advertising when it was uncommon for women to do so, and was responsible for a very popular Guinness and Coleman's mustard campaign. She was a playwright, wrote detective fiction and theological works, and did a translation of Dante's Inferno. She was friends with C.S. Lewis and other members of the Inklings, but with all her success, her personal life was somewhat troubled. She was a devout Christian, but she had a son outside of marriage whom she didn't acknowledge as her biological son sending him to live with a cousin and later unofficially adopting him. How Dorothy Sayers came to write detective novels is an interesting story. She wanted to write theological books, but as there was not much money in it and because she had to support herself, she started writing detective fiction. It was work in which she excelled. In 1923, the first Lord Peter Whimsey book, Whose Body, was published. There followed nine other books in the series, with the last, Busman's Honeymoon, published in 1937. 
and a collection of short stories featuring Lord Peter Whimsey. In her series, Dorothy Sayers created an iconic detective. Her sleuth is witty and urbane. He is a collector of rare books and a connoisseur of Baroque music. He wears a monocle and favors tailored suits, and he is more than happy to play the fool to disguise his intelligence, resembling Bertie Wooster, especially in the first few books. He is even accompanied by a Jeeves-style butler named Bunter, his loyal Batman from his army days. Riding in the years between World War I and II, Dorothy Sayers gives Lord Peter Whimsey a backstory as a major during the Great War. Bunter assists Lord Peter in his detective work, but he is also the one to care for him when his case of shell shock resurfaces. As much as each case is an intellectual exercise for Lord Peter, it often strains his nerves and takes its toll on his health. As the series progresses, there is more gravity to the writing and the characters which Dorothy Sayers created, and it reaches a pinnacle in the last two books in the series, Gaudy Night and Busman's Honeymoon, another favorite. Both books feature Harriet Vane, mystery writer, Oxford graduate, and former murder suspect. It is Lord Peter Whimsey who saves Harriet from the gallows, earning her bitterness, unfortunately, instead of gratitude. As I mentioned before, Harriet Vane took some getting used to for me. In the first books featuring her, she was sullen and moody and not quite up to Lord Peter's charms. But in Gaudy Night, she comes into her own. On a side note, it's the only book not to feature Lord Peter Whimsey as the main character. What I didn't realize when I first read the books was the genius of how Dorothy Sayers lets the character of Harriet Vane evolve. The bitterness, sullenness, and brokenness from the past gradually slips away, restoring the dignity of Harriet and allowing her to face her demons without shattering. It is a return to Oxford, to a gaudy night, that helps restore Harriet. She previously avoided these sort of reunions, but because of the request of a school friend in ill health, she agrees to return to her old place of study for it. And while she spends her weekend catching up with old school friends and enjoying the intellectual sparring of academia, she receives a poison pen letter alluding to her infamous past. After her return to London, she is contacted by the dean of her former college, Shrewsbury, on the basis of her detective knowledge to help the college investigate the poison pen letters and avoid any scandal. Harriet agrees to investigate under the guise of conducting research on the Gothic novelist Sheridan Lafanu and editing a Don's manuscript. Once settled into Oxford, Harriet falls under the seductive spell of the cloistered life of the mind. And how could she not? Oxford was a promising place for women during this period. It was one of the first times in history when women were allowed to receive the university education that men had enjoyed for centuries and they had only received the right to earn degrees a few decades before this. It's interesting and sad that we see in the book a shift in ideals between the generation of the first female class to receive degrees and the current set of students. The respect and honor for the women who fought so hard for an education is already lost on the current generation of students. There is a palpable tension between the current underclassmen and the seasoned dons and former scholars. And even more tragic, some former students allow their education to go to waste. There is a line that has haunted me from my earliest reading. It involves a conversation at the beginning of the book with a former classmate a few years ahead of Harriet. Her name is Catherine Fremantle. And here are Harriet Vane's thoughts after seeing her change from a brilliant student to the life of a farmer's wife. Catherine Fremantle? Good God, but she had only been two years senior to Harriet. Very brilliant, very smart, very lively and the outstanding scholar of her year. What in heaven's name had happened to her? 
The two women engage in a brief conversation about vocation and education before Harriet's former friend utters these words. One can't go back to things. One gets out of touch, and one's brain gets rusty. It has remained a sobering thought since. It is sobering for Harriet, too, and it takes the entire book for her to work through the tension of this conversation. Like Harriet Vane, I fell under the spell of Oxford when I read Gaudy Night for the first time. It was the romance of the secluded life of learning for me. To have no other responsibilities in life but to study sounded like heaven. Of course, my dream of going to Oxford only ever amounted to a day trip in my late 20s. But for Harriet, Oxford offers a much-needed escape from the hectic and mercenary world of literary London and the constant proposals of Lord Peter Whimsey, or so she thinks. It is also a place for her to heal from her past heartbreak and disillusionment in love. Oxford offers Harriet rest for a time, but it also forces her to confront the demons of her past and her present fear of matrimony. Which will she choose in the end? The female Dawn's life of philosophy, logic, and intellectual sparring is certainly appealing, but is it what she's called to? Or should she choose the appealing prospect of romance and all the so-called baggage which comes with it, giving up her writing, a gift which she excels at, to be a wife and mother? Bear in mind that this was at a time when it was a very real choice between the two for women. And along with that, will she allow herself to love someone again? Not fall in love or into romance, mind you, but love someone with all that it entails. Through endless conversations and wrestling with herself, these are the choices that Harriet struggles with throughout the book, all while trying to solve the mystery of the poison pen letters before someone is harmed. When I first read Gaudy Night, I was swept up in the romance of Lord Peter Whimsey and Harriet Vane. There was a mutual respect and an equality to their relationship, and they were so intelligent and witty. I was also caught up in the heady romance of Oxford. I've mentioned before that a friend of mine calls the book a love letter to Oxford. But now as I read it, along with all these other marvelous things, I see Harriet's battle for wholeness and the choice she must make between a safe life at Oxford, barricaded behind its gates, or married life. To me, Harriet's final choice is the best choice of all. A life as the wife of a detective. Will it be easy or free from heartache and pain? Absolutely not. But it will be a beautiful life, solving mysteries alongside each other, as we see in the follow-up book, Busman's Honeymoon. From strong poison when Harriet Vane is first introduced, bitter, resentful, and on trial for murder, to Busman's honeymoon when Lord Peter and Harriet at last reach their happy ending, Dorothy Sayers completes a beautiful arc for her characters. Matured and stripped down to their vulnerabilities, they enter a level of trust and love that one can only hope to experience in life. Perhaps what makes their love story so satisfying are all the bumps along the way and the imperfections of both. In the end, it isn't a selfish or consuming love, but a self-giving and sacrificial one and it brings wholeness and healing to both. And this is the best gift that Dorothy Sayers could give to her readers. I'm partial to mysteries, and I hope that you are too. And if you are, I wholeheartedly recommend that you read Gaudy Night. So, read this book if you love a good intellectual mystery, brimming with wit and sophistication. Read it if you, like me, harbor a deep love of Oxford or the cloister life in general. 
Read it to witness the change and growth of the characters of Harriet Vane and Lord Peter Whimsey. And read it if you like a satisfying love story, not just romance, included in your mysteries. It is, in my humble opinion, the very best there is to offer. Although I talked about Gaudy Knight today, and please forgive me for the spoilers, I would suggest reading the series in order. There are a couple you are welcome to skip with my permission. A Natural Death and the Unpleasantness at the Bolana Club have not aged well. But if you can't wait to read all the books in the series before starting Gaudy Knight, at least start with Strong Poison when Harriet Vane is introduced. It provides much-needed context before moving forward. Also, The Mind of the Maker and Letters to a Diminished Church and her essays Are Women Human? are must-reads. I've just found her translation of Dante's Inferno at a book sale, and I hope to dive into those shortly, too. Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed the show today, please consider leaving a rating or review. It helps spread the word about the show. Until next time.